Welcome to America's Heroes Group podcast with information and resources that's disseminated intentionally to empower our military population with host Vietnam veteran Cliff Kelly, co-host Iraq veteran Colonel Dr. Damon Arnold, and co-host Army National Guard veteran Sean Claiborne. And now, America's Heroes Group podcast. to America's Heroes Group, this time with our roundtable and our partner the, and sponsor, Tayback Law from LLC. Today is Saturday, June 18th, 2022, on this Father's Day weekend. June is LGBTQ plus Pride Month. You just heard our host during the break, Cliff Kelly. Our, I'm Sean Claiborne, the co-host. Our executive producer is Glenda Smith, and our digital media producer is Ivan Ortega of Scouts Honor Production. And we have our partner on the line, Monica Arlen Carras. Veterans Benefits Attorney with Tayback Law Firm based out of Milwaukee, Wisconsin, with offices located across the country. How are you doing? Good. How are you? Doing pretty good. Thanks for having me this Juneteenth weekend. It's yes. shaping up to be a beautiful weekend. That's right. And then also, you have some things to tell us about some legislation coming down the pipeline as well. Oh, my goodness. We have so many things to talk about. I'm, I'm, I'm not even sure where to start. So I'm going to start with my phone number because we're going to cover a lot of ground in a little bit of time. Um, my phone number is 414-375-1735, 414-375-1735. So we've got a couple of really big things happening right now, and they're kind of two different directions, if you will. We have the PACT Act that came down in April, and that affects mostly our um, Gulf War era veterans. But then, I believe it was passed yesterday or Thursday, that we have the um, Camp Lejeune Justice Act that came through as well, which is about our Marine Corps veterans through approximately uh, the mid-1980s. And both of those things give our veterans some um, hope to some relief for some of the um, the issues and the, the sicknesses that have come from, you know, the, the burn pits, but also from the bad water contamination at Camp Lejeune. So um, they're both phenomenal in and of themselves. Um, the Burn Pit Act, the PACT Act is great because we've been asking for years for comprehensive coverage or comprehensive benefits for our veterans um, that were in um, burn pit areas during the Gulf War. I don't think that this act is the end-all, be-all, but it certainly is a start. Um, it gives our veterans presumptions similar to what our Agent Orange-exposed um, veterans were able to re- receive. So what that means is, when you file for a service-connected disability, you need to have a current diagnosis. You need to have something that happened in service, an injury or illness, and a medical nexus connecting those two. And if you have an injury right now, um, as far as the burn pits are exposed, that we know was part of burn pit exposure, you don't have to prove that that illness or injury started in service on this list. Um, that they just passed back in April, so that's very exciting. We're we're moving in the right direction with our with our burn pit legislation. And are you, is there a registry also too for veterans to sign up where they can um, if they have been exposed to burn pits, where they can actually get on the registry so they can get um, benefits or get treatment for that? 
there are registries for all these things. There's a, a, a burn pit registry, there's an Agent Orange registry, and there is a Bad Water at Camp Lejeune registry. And all of those, you can um, go to the VA's website and it'll point you in the right direction. Hmm. So what what's the progress being made on getting people, um, 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 I guess, payback, if you, for, I don't know, for lack of a better way to describe it, a recompense for some of the things they've suffered through the military, particularly with the water, the water in Camp Lejeune. How did that even happen? So the water thing is um, what just happened this past week is actually amazing. I'm, I'm very excited about it because, you know, what we've seen over the years when we had President um, Obama in office, we were able to pass some legislation that finally got these people some recourse. But it was very limited in that the veterans that were serving at Camp Lejeune, they could now qualify for service-connected injuries and illnesses, which means they can get a VA monetary payment every month for this. But it stopped there. And it's problematic because we know that the people who were serving at Camp Lejeune, they were not there by themselves. They were there with their spouses. They were there with their children. And those people were also being affected, but they were not qualified to get VA benefits because they didn't fit the um, description of what a veteran is. So these people, um, the spouses and the children, they could qualify for health care benefits just simply being treated at the VA hospitals, but they weren't getting any monetary um, benefit. And this bill that passed this last week is something that we've never seen before. It's allowing the spouses and the children and the veterans themselves to actually sue the government for damages. Mm-hmm. And so now these people will actually have recourse for what happened to them. And I'm not sure, you know, how much everybody has really followed the um, the Camp Lejeune stuff, but um, it, this all came into play 20 years ago, give or take, with numerous men who came up with breast cancer in a way that was very strange that we hadn't seen before, but also people who were losing um, children Hmm. at a rate that we hadn't seen before. And that was what kind of brought the Camp Lejeune bad water to the forefront. But there was not really any way to compensate people who, I mean, truthfully, these, these children, they died. Um, so this is really, really exciting that there's now um, an avenue to actually sue the government for damages. Does anybody have an idea about what um, caused the poison water at Camp Lejeune? So there's, there was a cocktail of um, toxins. It was three um, toxins that um, made people very sick. Um, the most prominent one being benzene. There's a little bit of back and forth about where where it began, but we do know that there was a dry cleaning facility just off base that was um, poisoning the groundwater. But in addition to that, there were buried drums of chemicals that also leaked into the groundwater supply that were um, specific to the military that didn't have anything to do with, you know, any civilian business people. Um, and then in addition to that, you know, the military did not have great practices going back 50 years, 100 years. And 
they buried everything. So if, if something happened, they buried it. And we ended up contaminating the groundwater at Camp Lejeune. So is there going to be more um, attention being paid to other bases across the country? I hope so. Um, we, I, I can tell you, I talk to veterans every day that tell me about um, water at other bases that also have tinges of it being um, contaminated. I mean, really what it comes down to is the public. It comes down to people rallying. Um, the Camp Lejeune exposure came to be because I mean, honestly, there was a 2020 special 20 years ago or so that brought this to the forefront and brought it to everyone's attention. So if we can get it to the attention of the people who need to be paying attention, um, perhaps there will be some hope for some of these other bases that we do believe have bad water. It makes me want to tell veterans and tell uh, service members to go test the water. Go on Amazon and get you a kit or something and start testing your <laughs> water, man. It's like, it's just, that's pretty, uh, that's sad. It's scary. It reminds me of Flint, Michigan, what happened over there where the water was. It's uh, very was. similar. When you, when you look at um, places like Flint, when you look at places like Northern California, the chemicals that infiltrated the water supply that made people sick, the chemicals themselves are very similar. Then you have asbestos exposure. It was another big issue with shipyards we talked about earlier. I mean, it's, yeah, it's, it's, yeah. It's, it's coming. I mean, this, I mean, remember when I was in the military, we had a, um, a bug repellent you put on your skin. And the sergeant used to joke and say, yeah, it takes off paint, car paint, too. It was like, it's, yeah. it's crazy. I mean, like stuff that was out there. I mean, so, so what, can, what, do we, what can we do to protect ourselves? And what should we be doing if we think we've been exposed to anything deadly? Well, I mean, we always say make sure you get your medical records, right? Like that's, that's, that is the number one rule. If you are coming out of service, get all your service treatment records. If you are someone who happens to be National Guard or reservist, make sure you file a line of duty reports. You know, it's very easy to go away from your weekend assignment and just kind of limp off with, a, with an injury that you go see a private provider um, about later, you know, that's not going to take care of it. It has to be shown that it happened during your active duty for training period. Um, if, you, if you're in that type of scenario, we know, um, and, you know, some of the people near and dear to your program know that those records get lost. They get lost in fires. They get lost um, or people act like they, didn't, they never, ever existed. So our service members need to make sure not only do they have their service treatment records, but they also have to have any medical records um, of, of um, excuse me, <clears throat> medical treatment after service. So just, I mean, I think even us as civilians, myself, like I, I know that, I know that I should get a copy of it every time I walk out of the doctor's office, but I don't because it's kind of a hassle. But I mean, you really have to make sure that you have your medical records because at the end of the day, it is still a question of evidence. And do you have the evidence to show that you have an injury or you have an illness? You know, I can't tell you how many um, cases I've proven in the past, just the past year, based on deck logs, on showing that ships were in the right place at the right time. Um, so really, the more the records you have, the better. If you, you know, if you happen to be a veteran of, perhaps like the Vietnam era, 
Um, and I mean, and I hate, I hate to, to talk about this in a way that sounds so grim, but you know, if, if your parents are passing away, your siblings are passing away and you're going through boxes of things and you're tossing out stuff, you know, keep all that stuff. from when you were writing letters home from when you were, you know, serving overseas, or even if you were in country and you were writing letters home, those become valuable evidence. Mm, that's really good advice. Now, one of the things with the burn pits, I know that there are, um, there's a lot of talk about how to change the disposal process, maybe perhaps in using incinerators as opposed to using burn pits. Has there been any movement in the military that you've seen to try to improve that for the next conflict that might arise? You know, I have to be very careful when I get into these um, questions in this space because I'm not a military attorney. I'm a veteran's attorney. A military attorney is somebody who deals with the Department of Defense, and I don't. I deal with the you know, Department of Veterans Affairs. So for me to be able to give you an opinion on that, I don't know anything about it. Hmm. Or hopefully, what I've been reading is that there's, they're trying to revise their um, disposal methods. So they're trying to use these in the center, which they could have been using, I guess, from what I understand, um, way back when, during the Afghan war. Because what these incinerators are able to do is they can burn more cleanly, so there's less uh, residue and less toxins getting released into the air. Um, whether or not there's movement on that, we guess we have to follow up and see what's going on. Uh, but hopefully in the next conflict we have, we don't have these, these uh, they almost seem like silly uh, mistakes or silly this, um, hazardous actions where people get sick or people get exposed to stuff that can, that can hurt them. Yeah, and, you know, the burn pit legislation that just came down and, and this bad water legislation that just came down, um, you know, that those are just exposure issues. We still have a whole host of veterans out there who believe that their vaccinations um, made them sick. And we don't have anything as far as um, we don't have research or at least nothing that's enough to give a presumption. Um, and, and I don't think that that's very far-fetched, but that's just another area of law that we have to look into and develop. Hmm. Now you're making me think. <laughs> the I've gotten. I was in the military. Like when, so when you go through basic training, they put you in this like you're in a like an assembly line. When these all these doctors or people, I don't know if they're doctors, but people, nurses or technicians, they got these little guns, air guns, where they shoot you with like about a dozen different vaccinations. So you get shots for everything from the plague to you know whatever, anything that's out, everything and everything that's ever existed. You have some kind of vaccine for it. So if you get deployed, you know, hopefully you can you can you know not get sick. So, so do you see the, the the do you see a lot of pushback from them from the military and people come back and say, okay, yeah, I think I've been exposed to something. I want to open up a claim. They talk to you. How was how responsive is the military and, or the VA system um, to claims? So, and this is this is where we get into the area about what a presumption is and what a presumption isn't. So, this new legislation on the the burn pits is important because it talks about presumptions, it talks about you know being able to make a claim for a disability and the the government has already said, yes, you are presumed to have had whatever exposure and therefore your illness presumably has to do with that exposure. Well, the pushback then becomes when you have something outside of a presumptive um, condition, when it's a condition that, you know, probably has to do with exposure and and I'm not a doctor and you're not a doctor but sometimes it doesn't take you know a rocket science to figure scientists to figure out that you know this stuff it all plays hand in hand um the pushback becomes when you have to prove your own claim when you don't have a presumptive 
attached to it. When you have to show that you have a cancer that is not on the list, even though there is a list of presumed cancers, but you have a cancer that's just a little bit outside, then you have to do the legwork to show the VA and to prove to the VA that your condition was, in fact, um, caused by your service. And that that has to do with hiring doctors that are experts in the field. You have to find medical research that supports your, um, you know, your theory of the claim. So that's where the pushback really comes in. And all the while, the veterans suffering with these ailments and issues, and God knows if they can get all that information in time before the God forbid they pass away. Yeah, yeah, and and we're seeing, you know, our, our Vietnam era is kind of getting older and older. Um, and we're we're still dealing with the presumptions of that, but you know we've got we've got guys that weren't in country proper, so we're we know they had exposure, we know they were handling toxins, but they didn't fall within the right boundaries, um, you know things like that. Like it becomes very very legal. Um, but however, you know I I can say um, I am very successful on those things, and I I think I'm very good at those things. Um, I think I'm kind of a rare breed of an attorney who not only um, really likes what they do, but has a personal connection to it. You know, my family had these exposures and, um, and that's what really like motivates me to, to keep at this. Um, So I really encourage people to call me, to call my firm because I, we've been so successful Um, and in things beyond, um, you know, people who were, overseas just you know just because you were in the military um you know you don't have to be overseas to have had something happen to you we're very successful with claims here stateside as well now how do people connect with tayback law so the best number is 414-375-1735 um, our website is tabak, T-A-B-A-K, attorneys.com. That also has some um, information on there, um, just, you know, about VA benefits. And then, you know, certainly look at us on Facebook. Um, we're all over Facebook. And also, audience, make sure you go to Facebook Live and see us on Facebook Live. So we have a lot of information on our screen. Also, make sure you see us on YouTube. Go on YouTube, like, subscribe. Also, leave your comments. Let us know what, you're wanting, what you want to hear about and also what your, your, your experiences have been with either burn pits, some of the issues and things in some of these military bases across the country where everything from legionnaire disease in some places to toxic water in other places. Mm-hmm. I mean, this is all kinds of stuff going around the country. In the last two minutes we have, this is, a, this is the thing I always advocate for and always want to get people's advice or their, their information about this topic. When do you see or do you ever see a, a world where veterans will no longer have to keep trying to prove it's the military's fault? When will there be a day when there's basically universal health care for veterans who serve? Once you put on the uniform, you should be able to get you know, treatment from the VA and, I mean, for, for, for life. Why, have to, why do you have to go through all these different you know, hoops, jump through all these different hoops to prove that it was the military's fault that you have this rare disease? When 1,000 or 100,000 people across the country had the same issue, they were in the same place that you were serving in. That's a beautiful question. I really like that question, and I wish I had an answer, and I don't. Um, I can say that we are going in the right direction. Um, we have kind of forced their feet to the fire a bit here to take responsibility um, for some of the things that are 
very open and obvious, but also things that are a little bit um, not so obvious. Um, this PACT Act that was recently um, passed, I see this as a step in the right direction. However, I see it as being too narrow. I think that there are a lot of things that are going to come from exposure, and, and I see it every day with my Gulf War era veterans. Um, so the the narrowness of the scope of the actual act is limiting, but just the fact that we finally got it passed and we got it done um, is a step in the right direction. So I have no answer for your question, but I'm I'm hopeful. And I and I can say one thing is that I know that the VA fights our veterans, and I know that you know everyone kind of gets a hard time about their um, issues at go. At the end of the day, the VA's goal truly is to get you compensated the way in which you are deserved to be compensated. It is, unfortunately, too much red tape, but the end goal is there. And on that note, Monica Ireland Caress, thanks for joining us. Veterans Benefit Attorney with Tayback Law Firm, based out of Milwaukee, Wisconsin, but with offices across the country. This is America's Heroes Group. We'll be right back. Thank you for listening to America's Heroes Group podcast. Don't forget to subscribe so you won't miss an episode. And for more details, visit americashg.org.